James chapter 3. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. James chapter 3. Let's take right up at verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. The apostle in these words is connecting us to what he has just said in the fifth verse. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. A spark, a match, a campfire can destroy a house, a barn, a city, thousands of acres of forest. A fire is never content, and it burns more and more. Though we only intended a little bit of sarcasm, though we only intended a small reproof, unless we're careful, unless we gauge and judge our words, we can burn so many and burn and cause so much damage. Fire is a great destroyer, and the Bible warns us about it. It says the tongue is a fire. That means the tongue is able to do great damage that far exceeds what we ever thought could come from something we said. If you read the Bible, in Job and Psalms, Job, the writers there, and David said that when they didn't speak, they had a fire burning inside. Have you ever known that feeling? When you know you shouldn't say anything yet, but you've been provoked and you have a fire burning inside, we want to rule that fire so that it does not come out our lips or from our tongue. Because there is so much damage that can be done once it comes out. The tongue is a fire. Gauge every word that you speak. Like dropping a match in a woods or a barn. Gauge every word that you speak. Is this word pleasing to God? Is this a profitable word? Is this a kind word? Is this a build up word? And if it's not those things, get rid of it. The saying has a great deal of wisdom in it that our nation has had. If you cannot think of anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Because we don't want to hear your words if they're not nice. And so it is in the Bible. We read about the virtuous woman. It says the law of kindness is in her mouth. A law of kindness. And let your speech be always with grace. Only seasoned with salt. The verse goes on to say, verse 6, the tongue is a world of iniquity. That is a whole ocean or a universe of it. When we say, I'm in a world of hurt, I'm in a world of pain, we mean a whole lot of it. And the tongue is a world of iniquity. It is a whole lot of iniquity. Follow with me. Think for a moment as I read some words. Consider what damage and what sins are done by the tongue that the Bible lists. Backbiting. I don't have time to explain each of these, but backbiting. To speak about someone against them behind their back. Blasphemy. Boasting. Clamor. A bunch of uprising. A bunch of loud noise. Cursing. Debate. Arguing. False accusing. False witnessing. Filthiness. Flattery, foolish talking, jesting, lying, perjury, railing, to call someone names, 
and just rail on them. Scorning. Sedition. Seducing. Slander. Sowing discord. Swearing. Tailbearing. And whispering. Among others. The tongue is a world of iniquity. A world of iniquity. Think about all those words that the Bible uses about our speech. And consider what those words cause. How many aliens where relationships are broken, busted because of somebody saying a word that wasn't appropriate. Alienations. Arguments. How much bitterness is in the hearts of men because of words that have been spoken. Confusion. Contentions. Enmity. Fights. Grudges. Heresies. Pain. Strife. Suspicions. And wars that the tongue has caused in marriages, in families, in businesses, in churches, in nations, and the whole world. Caused by the tongue. It is a world of iniquity. There is so much trouble and so much pain that has come from this little member that hangs in your mouth. We should guard every word that comes out of our mouth. Lest we cause pain in our marriage, our families, our church, our businesses, or even our nation. Lord, help us. Just think how much better the world would be if every word that was spoken was right and acceptable for the occasion. Can you imagine? Just think the world would be pretty good if we couldn't speak. What if we were all dumb for a week? Could not speak for a week. Things would improve. Because it's a world of iniquity. It's a fire. A lot of fires would go out if there was no one arguing. The verse goes on to say that so is the tongue among our members. So is the tongue among our members. It is a fire and it is a world of iniquity. It is so full and has so many different sins and it burns and destroys and affects far beyond what we ever thought. No one ever sees the thousands of acres and the possible hundreds of homes that are in danger of a forest fire when they let a little campfire get out of control. They never see that. And when we let go with a word, or when we're laughing when it's not appropriate, or when we're bringing up some trivial idiocy that's not appropriate, or when we're slandering or whispering or tailbearing, or we're slicing someone, we never see all the damage that it causes. But damage it does cause. And destruction it does burn. And it's a world of iniquity. And so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. It is involved in and leads to all the sins of the body. It affects the whole man. Remember, here we have it again in verse 6, and we had these words in verse 2. That if a man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. But if you're not ruling your tongue, it gets your whole body involved in sin, because it takes you down a sinful course. Brother John Fisher read to us four verses today. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 through 32. 29 was telling us to put away evil communication and corrupt conversation. Evil speaking. Verses 31 and 32 were telling us the same thing. When we look at the Bible, we should reason about what the Lord is trying to tell us. Verse 29 was to stop evil speaking. Verses 31 and 32 were the same thing. 
But in verse 29 was this warning. Stuck in the middle of bad speech. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, by which ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Notice where grieving the Holy Spirit is stuck almost forcefully into the context of Ephesians 4. It's where it's sandwiched by evil speaking. When the Holy Spirit hears us let go with our lips and our tongue and our mouth, it grieves Him. And if the Holy Spirit is grieved in your life, then you are a weak and a carnal Christian and you're going to be sinning in all sorts of other ways. The mouth is a world of equity. It's a fire and it defiles the whole body. The man with his tongue out of control will be open or provoked to commit other sins. If he isn't ruling that, he's not going to be ruling the other areas of his life. Seduction. How much fornication in the world has begun with planned words of seduction? Your mouth can corrupt your bodily actions. Hugging a brother. You hug a brother while you're in this assembly. And then you go out and before you can even get home, you let this run wild against them. And you speak evil of your brother. You've corrupted everything about yourself. The good action of hugging a brother and greeting him in the name of the Lord in the house of God is ruined by you not even being able to get home before your tongue is out of control and you're saying something negative and critical about a brother. Why? Brethren, these things ought not so to be. As we're going to see in verse 9 and 10. You pay the minister a good deed done by your body. But you undermine his authority by the way you talk about him. You obey your parents outwardly, but you go in your room and you tell a sibling something against their parents. It defiles the whole body. It ruins everything that we do if we let our mouth get out of control. We pay taxes to our government, which is a good thing. But then we despise dominion and make fun of our government and speak evil of dignities. And we ruin the good action of our bodies. Solomon warned that hasty vows in Ephesians, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 6 lead to sins of the flesh. Because once you open your mouth and fit yourself, guess what you've got to do? Your body has to get yourself out of it. And so it leads to other sins. It defiles the whole body. It ruins the reputation of the whole man if you don't control your mouth and your speech. What difference does it make how well a man might conduct himself in his business, how well a man might conduct himself in his finances if he doesn't rule his tongue? Because his tongue goes everywhere and tells everyone that he's a fool. According to Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Lord save us from letting it defile our entire lives. It goes on to say in this sixth verse, it setteth on fire the course of nature. I mentioned this before we took our break. You all should understand that a word, a fighting word, an, an evil word, an angry word, a sarcastic word spoken can, can get an instantaneous reaction out of us because words stir up the whole course of nature. All the lusts that are in us, all the anger, the wrath, the bitterness, the malice, the, vent, the, the, the revenge that sits in our breast 
otherwise dormant, comes to life in a second or two when evil words are spoken. This tongue can set on fire the whole course of nature. Everything evil about our fallen natures can be brought into activity by a few words. Because it provokes us and stirs us so fast. Bitter and harsh words have carried their effects through many years, even generations. Where someone has an overbearing mother, an overbearing mother will carry fruits of her foolish speech for generations. Because her daughters will be like her without the grace of God. The overbearing criticism and negativity and nagging. All sins of the mouth carry their effects. Set the fire, set on fire the course of nature. From marital bitterness, marriage problems, to friends being busted apart, to nations fighting each other. So much of it can be caused just by words. And here James is just crushing our speech and its sinful, and its sinful propensities unless we rule our tongues. And then he says in the last part of verse 6, having said the tongue is a fire in the first part of verse 6, having said that this tongue that is a fire sets on fire the course of nature, then he tells us where the fire comes from. And it is set on fire of hell. Evil speech does not come just from a sinful man. It comes from hell itself. It comes from the devil. It comes from the abode of the devil. It comes from the spirit who's been a liar from the beginning because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own because he is the father of lies. So when we use our tongues in a destructive way, it is devilish. The Lord wants us to know that. Don't, don't lie to yourself. We're going we're to hear the words in a few verses. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie against the truth. Don't think that you can have bitterness or envying or strife in your heart. Any resentment for anyone else. Don't think that you can have that in your heart. And that it's okay. And that you're not too bad. Because that wisdom comes from hell. That wisdom comes from beneath. That is devilish wisdom. And so here we have the words, our tongues are a fire, and that fire is set on fire of hell. The devil himself is the motive behind the burning and corrosive and destructive words that come out of our mouths. Let us guard every single one. If you don't have something nice to say about others, shut up. There's no one on this planet that wants to hear you. Except you. You're the only one that wants to hear yourself. The rest of us don't want to hear it, and God doesn't want to hear it. And if you had two wit bits for a wit, you wouldn't want to hear it. Because you would know that you're going to be under greater condemnation for that mouth. Let's build everyone up. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouths, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Let's always be building each other up. Every sentence, every clause, phrase, and word that comes out of our mouths. This is the word of the Lord to us. Our tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. How much of the devil's work has he got us to cooperate with him in by losing control of our lips and saying things that we shouldn't say? 
the apostle goes to a new metaphor in verse 7. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I believe we had a circus in Greenville in the last week. I believe so. You know, we read about the tiger and we think of 500 pounds of coiled steel in a tiger. Vault itself 20 feet so easily. Crush you with its paw. Crush your backbone with one bite and snap it in half. Huge, beautiful animals. And there a man is in a cage with 10 or 20 of them jumping through hoops like little kittens. Because all sorts of beasts have been tamed by mankind. But look at what that next verse tells us. But the tongue can no man tame. You've got a wild animal. And it's loose. Chain it up. Tranquilize it with a dart gun. Or Benadryl. Yet, yesterday at the Bible quiz, I always tell, I try to be honest with all of you. Yesterday at the Bible quiz, I was getting twisted out of shape. I don't like competition anymore. And I was asking Jeff and Ron if they had any adult strength Benadryl just to keep me calm. I knew what I had to preach on today. Can you, and I went to that quiz yesterday. I wish I hadn't gone. I wish I'd have sat in the back row and had to use binoculars to check out who was up there. Do you all know what I'm talking about? We have a wild, we have a wild beast and it's so hard to tame it. I had studied that morning. I had studied the previous day and the previous day on this subject. And there I am on Saturday before the Lord's Day, having sent out a preparatory email to all of you. And I'm asking for adult strength drill. I didn't have, I didn't need an antihistamine. I needed something to calm me down. I asked Jeff later. He said I was okay, that I hadn't done anything wrong. But I felt, I, I could feel the fire burning inside. You guys know, does everybody know about the fire inside that wants to come out? Who's got a flamethrower between their jaws? And it wants to come out. But the tongue can no man tame. Lord, help us tame it. In contrast to man's great success in taming the animal world, he cannot as easily or fully came his own tongue. The tongue, it says, is an unruly evil. Do you know what unruly means? It's not subject to rule. It doesn't obey rules. It jumps out and does its own thing even though you've tried to give it rules. It's unruly. It's anti-rules. It wants to do its own thing. And men have used it that way. The Bible says it's full of deadly poison. You know, we can capture, we can charm, and we can kill snakes, but the poison of asps is still under our tongues, according to Romans 3. Unruled words can poison and kill relationships in all spheres of human contact, and they have and they will, but let it not be because of our tongues. Poisonous words. Look at Proverbs chapter 12 with me. Proverbs chapter 12. I hope you're all learning to love James. He's a hard hitter, isn't he? He doesn't mince around with words. He doesn't tiptoe through the tulips. He just lays into us. 
It's not very good for your self-image to read the book of James because he just keeps hammering you. How many verses of introduction material are there in this epistle? One. How many salutations, greetings, closings, and loving kisses are at the end of the epistle? None. 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 It just ends with another duty. James 5, 19 and 20. And throughout this epistle, and remember, if there's an epistle that fits us very tightly, it's the epistle of James. Carnal Christianity, professing that we love God, but not living worthy of His name. Look at Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Two kinds of talkers. Two different ways that we talk, each of us. Sometimes we are slicing and cutting people. How many times do you think you have left a room or left a phone conversation and someone is bleeding on the other end of that line or in that room? How many times there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword? How many times has our sarcasm or our cut or our slice left someone bleeding? We should never leave someone bleeding. Even if we're rebuking someone for sin in their lives, it should still be done for their edification. Our warning and our reproof of them should end up with words of hope and comfort to stir them up to the task. To commend them and encourage them in what they're doing. But how many times have we left others bleeding? Stop and think from now on when you leave a room, is anyone bleeding in there? It doesn't matter whether you're bleeding. You're the one holding the sword. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. When you leave, are people basking and glowing in the good words that you said to them? Feeling better, strengthened, encouraged, happier, because you've said ennobling words to them, where you've lifted them up and, and helped them on toward glory. Help them on toward following the Lord. Help them on to having a better day. What are your words like? We all fall into one of these two categories whenever we speak. You're one or the other. Look at 15.4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the Spirit. There is a serious problem when perversity comes out of our tongue and we were just read what that serious problem is. We're set on fire of hell. But look at a wholesome tongue. It is a tree of life. Are you a tree of life? When you go through this world, when you go through your 70 years, and you come in contact with people, and you open your mouth and let words out, are people able to grab fruit, the fruit of your words, and eat it and be better for it? Are you a tree of life? Or are you a breach in the Spirit? You break up relationships. You break up the happy day of someone by saying your words. What are you? We all want to be trees of life where we feed others and win souls in the Bible sense of by saving them from discouragement, leading them to righteousness, happiness, a tree of life. What are your words like? Look at 16.28. 16.28, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Look at the words, the warning about a froward man. What's a froward man? A wicked man. Frowardness is wickedness. And what does a froward or a wicked man do? He sows strife. 
He is speaking things that cause wars and fightings and grudges and bitterness to arise between men. And a whisperer separateth chief friends. When you go around and whisper about someone else, you're breaking up friendships and you're breaking up relationships. And that is not the way we're to speak. There's hundreds of verses like this. I only use a few. Look at Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18, look at this verse. And verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This is my favorite verse about the tongue in the book of Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have the power with your speech to promote and build someone's life, and you have the power in your speech to destroy someone's life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it, love it. The power to good, the power to life, or the power to death. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you use your tongue for building up others, if you use your tongue to be a tongue of health, to be a tree of life, to build others up, God Himself will smile from heaven upon you in that same way. If you use your tongue to tear others down, to sow discord, to slice and dice, to criticize, to be disrespectful, to swear, God will slice and dice you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Look at chapter 16 and verse 24. Oh, Lord, help us always to speak this way. This is what it means in the New Testament when it says, let your speech be good to the use of edifying. Proverbs 16:24, pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Isn't food a wonderful thing that God's made? It, it accomplishes two things when it goes in. It sure tastes good, and then it gives us health and strength. And honeycomb is the ultimate because it's the sweetest thing that they had. It's still a whole lot sweeter than sugar. You don't use the same amount of honey in a recipe as you do sugar. Honey is still very sweet. It's good for your health. Honey, and our words ought to be like honeycomb. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb. Look, at they, they give a person pleasure by hearing them, and then they give a person profit by changing their lives for the better. Two great things are accomplished by pleasant words, good words, words of counsel and wisdom. You give people two blessings. They're cheered on by the pleasant sound of the nice words. And then they're given health, wisdom, and righteousness. They're led in the way of truth by the direction of those words. Let this verse describe our speech, brethren. Look at Psalm 34. And with this I have to close. Oh, but I'm not done with the subject of speech. Psalm 34, neither is James. Psalm 34. Let's take a week to practice before next Sunday. Can we make it a week without having to ask God to forgive us? Oh, you're all hopeless. But I agree. Can we try? Can we beg God? Can we beg God to help us? Look at Psalm 34. Does this excite you at all when you get a verse like this written by the God of heaven? Verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? 
Is there anyone here that could possibly raise your hand that you desire to have a good life and for it to be a long good life? Anyone here? I like Psalm 34.12. I would like those three things. How do you get it? Verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Guard your speech. The words of David and Peter quotes them in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. You quizzers that know 1 Peter chapter 3, you know that this is in verse 10, straight out of Psalm 34. If you want to have a good life and a long life and a blessed life, then control your tongues. How do we do it? Look at Psalm 141 and verse 3. Oh, there's a lot of ways that we can do it. But one of the first ways is we've got to ask for it. Psalm one. Verse 3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. A man like David, what do we know about David? We know that when David opened his mouth in the presence of King Saul and Jonathan, that Jonathan loved him as his own soul in a matter of seconds. Out of the pureness of David's heart flowed the most gracious speech so that David was beloved. And all of you men, I gave this to you ten days ago. David was greatly beloved by all for his gracious speech flowing from his pure heart. Notice David's life, though. Notice how he prays and what he asks God for. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. David prays so powerfully at times for the Lord to overrule him and his desires to do what is right and righteous. And this is how we want to pray as well. How else can you your speech? Ask God to help you, as I just showed you from Psalm 141. Remember that every word, even before it comes out, is altogether known by God in your tongue. I don't care where you are and how private and secretive you think you might be doing something, God hears every word. Cut your words in half. Speak less. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. So speak less. Speak slowly. Think, hear what's being said, and study before you answer with words of your own. And if you don't have something nice or kind to say, don't say anything. If you can't be gracious and kind and lift somebody up, stop talking. None of us want to hear it. Cut your words in half. Slow down and think before you speak. Only speak something kind and good. Remember that God hears every word that comes out of your tongue. And ask God to set a guard before your lips. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.